0: Hey heroes, James here. A quick note before we begin today's episode. After this series aired, a listener reached out to us to let us know that we included an ableist slur in this series. I'm going to repeat that slur here once, both to own up to our mistakes and for educational purposes. One of the characters appearing in this series was named Dimwit, which is one of many ableist slurs that has a dark history, but is reflected in a lot of people's common vocabularies. Mine included. That slur, along with a number of others, is something I grew up watching on cartoons. And I, along with the guest who introduced this term to the show, had no idea of its history. But one of the great things about growing up is you have an opportunity to become more sensitive and empathetic to people around you. And your standards for what words are acceptable to say can change. I want to apologize personally for my lack of knowledge on the history of this word. As a player at the table, I certainly could have intervened and asked us to rename the character. And as the host of the show and president of the network, I certainly could have had it edited out of our final cuts. I know over here at OneShot, we're going to be doing everything we can to wean words like this out of our vocabularies and make sure that our shows feel welcoming to everyone who listens. In addition to editing this message onto episode one and a similar message onto future episodes in the series, we're also going to be making an effort to cut this term out of these episodes entirely. But that depends heavily on the availability of our editor, so it might take longer. I want to thank the listener who contacted us over this issue for reaching out. If you're curious to learn more about this term and other common ableist slurs that might be in your own vocabulary, we've provided links to educational resources in the show notes. Thanks, heroes, and enjoy the show. Hello, Heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. Heroes, this week we are playing the Sentinel Comics role-playing game. Sentinel Comics is, of course, based on the very popular Sentinels of the Multiverse franchise, which you'll recognize from card games, video games, and really just about everything except for comic books. Although I think they do have some comics now. But the Sentinel Comics RPG is a really cleverly designed system. It allows you the full flexibility that you really need from a superhero role-playing game. I think most superhero RPGs make it difficult to authentically team up characters on different power scales. How can you have Superman in the same party as Green Arrow? Sentinels uses inspiration from the Cortex system to authentically replicate so many powers in a really mechanically distinguished way that still allows players to play whoever they want, however they want. I was really impressed when I first created a character using the random generation system that they have in the game. But sitting down to play this session, I was even more impressed to see how things worked in action. It's been a really long time since I've played a game with some real crunch. Not just being mechanically well designed, but mechanically complex. And the design in this system reminded me of what i love about those games there is a lot of combat in our play session here but as a player it moved really quickly and it felt like each new round brought an exciting escalation of the previous round with both environmental events and character powers growing and becoming more complex and interesting as the fight goes without letting things drag on too long i could tell you more but i think i'm gonna let the game speak for itself The Sentinel Comics RPG also happens to be the favorite superhero RPG of network members Jeff and John from System Mastery. And we actually have them to thank for us playing this. So I do hope you enjoy, and if you do, be sure to thank Jeff and John, and why not check out the System Mastery podcast? Especially if you'd like a more in depth mechanical explanation of this system, they did an episode on it. I'm super excited to jump right in, so with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. heroes, let's meet our party for this week. First up, a voice that absolutely should be familiar to you because you should be familiar with all the voices in the One Shot Podcast Network, and that is Jeff Aldrich. Jeff!
1: Hey, how you
0: doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm doing pretty good because I didn't have to set up this recording.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're welcome.
0: You take the logistics out of my job. Mm -hmm. you just take the whole job out of it which is great
1: (laughs) you know there was a point where i was like if james doesn't do this i'll just do it and then send him the files and make it a one-shot episode that he just doesn't even have to do
0: (laughs) i mean i I think you are well within your rights to do that (laughs) jeff for those who are not familiar with you and and your great works where can they find you and what do you
1: do well, as it turns out, we're actually members of the One Shot Network, but primarily you can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com where me and my partner John make System Mastery, a podcast where we read old out of print or at least we used to primarily read old out of print role playing games and scathingly review them. Recently, we've expanded yeah, and our Yeah, now you Yeah, we've started doing new games. We've realized that we can be nice if we have to. So, we've uh we've started doing some new games With, yeah,
0: like mildly favorable reviews. <laughs>
1: For those. Hey, we were really nice to Starcross. Starcross was great.
0: You were very nice to Starcross. Not as nice to Interstitial, perhaps.
1: Well but, you know, that is <laughs> honestly that is I think Heart Interstitial, stuff, so I, I think it just it was the first PBTA we did and that was right up in my crosshairs and that it's unfortunate. But yeah, we'll review anything anyone sends us. So we review movies, games, weird food. The flavors of gross sex toys once that wasn't great
0: that is a perfect episode it is a perfect <laughs> episode you absolutely need to listen to it it was rough <laughs> For our audience, for their edification, who is your favorite off-the-beaten-path superhero? Oh,
1: you know, coincidentally, my favorite off-the-beaten-path superhero is also my favorite superhero in general. I am a uh, 100% loyal Squirrel Girl fan. Doreen Green is my, is my jam.
0: We're in an era now where that is soon going to be a mainstream pick. I really think, like, Squirrel Girl is going to have her time
1: i know i think you're absolutely right with the mcu is broadening dramatically i'm surprised it hasn't already happened to be honest with you but uh yeah i've been i've been uh ride or die squirrel girl since like 1990 so that's that's my jam that's my favorite offbeat and regular superhero
0: hell yeah Mm -hmm. with that let's turn over to john taylor john welcome to the show
2: hey it's great to be here
0: again always a pleasure to hear your voice now john you are also involved with system mastery and expounded universe and all the wonderful things that you do over at SystemMastery.com. but there are yet further
3: plugs
0: that you can
2: offer us what what are those so many plugs did you know that we wrote books <laughs> <That's true. laughs> we did we wrote dragon walks into a bar mm. a joke book yeah mostly uh, like, RPG like the stuff. the that I would find at the
0: Scholastic Book Fair and then read two pages of It and is exactly
2: like 101 funny jokes to tell
1: classmates <laughs> Except there's a, a lot more fucks in there.
2: Yeah <laughs> It's a little bluer than you might get at the Scholastic Book Fair <laughs> And uh, we just finished up our recipes for delicious alcoholic cocktails as well with an RPG bent to it called dungeon meister Ooh, just in time for when it's
0: kind of a little illegal and extremely unsafe to have parties i love it oh and you don't even need a party you can drink by yourself like all the best of us <laughs> yes everybody's making themselves novelty cocktails at home
1: actually i've had a lot of people send us pictures hey you
0: gotta do something to pass the time <laughs> That's true. That's true. John, I have to ask, who is your favorite off the
2: beaten path superhero? Ooh, that's, it's a rough one, but I think I want to go with Mimic. Hmm. This is new to me. (laughs) Until the Exile series, very low end, unknown, old school X-Men villain that was able to get five powers at once but wasn't a mutant which was a weird thing and the exile series really put him front and center let him do his stuff and uh, i absolutely love mimic it's great that explains
0: why i don't know it that's x-men stuff which is the one area that i have not dipped a toe into because it seems like an extremely deep hole but that's rad that's rad i love it With that, let's turn over to our next guest, and that is Dave Chalker. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you here. For those in the audience who are not familiar with you, Dave, who are you and
3: what do you do? I am a role-playing game and board game designer. I was the lead rules designer on a game we will be talking a lot about today, the Sentinel Comics role-playing game. Mm -hmm. I was a lead developer on... Marvel Heroic role-playing, the Firefly RPG, a few projects like that. And I have put out board games, uh, Get Bit is My Most Famous, where you're getting devoured by a shark, along with uh, several others. That is rad,
0: like heroes who are listening will be familiar with the Firefly role-playing game. We featured that over on the campaign feed when we did the Firefly alternate universe for our series. I love all those games, which has me very excited. I have only made characters in the game that we're about to play. I haven't got to play it yet. Uh, So I am like
3: stoked to see how this game plays because that's quite a pedigree. You know, at the risk of being a modest, the character creation parts both took forever and it's one of my favorite things ever. So glad to be talking about it.
0: I mean, I did the guided character creation with the with the random roles to, to build my character. And it works, which, you know, not many random role systems can say that. So <laughs> that is very, very good stuff. Dave, I have to know, who is your favorite off the beaten path superhero?
3: So 10 years ago or so, I would have said Green Arrow, but then, you know, he got a Cold series and universe and everything so mm-hmm. in a similar vein i'm a big fan of the question of all Eras. yes, you know, yes. faceless hero it's a lot of good various runs shows up in different times to just be a big old faceless weirdo which question is is your favorite question i like them both i thought it was actually a pretty well done handoff from this old established character into a You know, a a character that had been around, you know, the Batman books and everything.
0: That was a beautiful series, too.
3: Yep. I I wrote a question spec script in grad school as an exercise. And so I I just have a lot of love for the character.
1: Plus, only superheroes so far voiced by Jeffrey Combs. (laughs)
3: truly if
0: if y'all don't know the question go out uh, and look into that character because it is a true delight even the old weird Randian objectivist stuff is fine if you can tolerate steve ditko and other places it's good stuff with that we're gonna move on to our our, our guest and our game master for this week christopher bedell Christopher, welcome to the show.
4: Greetings. It's thrilling to be here.
0: I am so excited to have you. For those who are not familiar with you, where might they know your work from?
4: I am one of the owners of the company Greater Than Games and I got my start in this industry by releasing a little game called Sentinels the Multiverse back in 2011 and it's done okay over the years. It, some people have played it, some people have liked it. We've made a bunch of expansions and things for that and since then we've made a ton of th- things but uh, Sentinels the Multiverse and the greater world of Sentinel Comics is the thing that I am most known for as the writer and designer of that world of things and as Dave mentioned. I got to work with him and some other very talented people. I'm putting together Sentinel Comics, the role-playing game, which is the latest iteration of all of the Sentinels stuff. That's what I do,
0: which is extremely cool. I, I mean, I can tell you that all of my college friends uh, are obsessed with the Sentinel series and uh there are a few people listening right now who are just green with envy over that and you know <laughs> i i couldn't be happier to be sitting here playing with you my question to you before i i turn the show over to you and and have you start uh setting up our session is who is your favorite off the beaten path superhero
4: Well, I've got to give a weird roundabout answer on this because all of my favorite superheroes are from the world of Sentinel Comics. And so I'm going to step away from that (laughs) world for a second. But I'll come back to it. Normally, my historically off the beaten path hero character that I would reference is Cable, but Cable is is actually more and more mainstream now especially having been in yeah. the Deadpool movie and getting a larger role. So Cable was a, was a favorite for a while, but if I can't use Cable then I would go with Marrow, who's yet another X-Men person. I have to caveat it with early Marrow, not later Marrow when they got weird and bad about it, but hey. <laughs> I very much appreciate John mentioning Mimic because yeah, Mimic, that's definitely one of my favorites characters as well so the Exiles series is maybe the best thing that Marvel ever made
0: oh I God, have heard I so many good so things much. about that series
4: I have a full collection of, of all of the all the collections of it that it does because Marvel did such a great job setting up through the years all their what-ifs and all their alternate realities and then saying all right let's take a team and shove them through all these places and at first you're like oh cool this is like a tour of these different places and they're like nope now stuff matters it's like oh, okay oh my goodness such okay. great character development." Anyway. Yeah, oh, yeah,
2: yeah. I have a what if is the very first comic I ever bought as a child, Ooh. and I have almost all of them in hard copy.
4: Nice, nice.
2: I mean,
0: both what if and else worlds are, oh, I, I love those yeah. so much. But before we descend into comics, and actually before we start role playing, I, I do have to ask you did reference your own universe and, and characters that you've created. Who's your favorite off the beaten path character that you've created? Because there's a chance that, like, it's a cut so deep, only you could know about
4: it. It's a cut that's so deep that. Only people who are, like, dedicated listeners to my podcast. The artist for Sentinel Comics, Adam, uh, he and I co-created everything Sentinel Comics. And we have a weekly podcast called The Letters Page, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's the letters page from the back of a comic book where we take readers' letters and answer them. And we go in-depth on some topic. There's a character that came up in that... So I have to give the usual caveat, I don't have favorites, they're all my children, I created them all, so how can I pick amongst my babies? But a character that I have been thinking about recently because I've been doing work in various things and it's made me think more about this character is, yeah, it's even difficult to describe this character as a hero, but he is a supporting cast member for another hero and he's mostly a good guy. So like, he's a hero, but not that heroic. And his name is Soothsayer Carmichael. And Soothsayer Carmichael is a—he's—he's uh, he's a Soothsayer. He can do some like visions of the future thing. Um, and then he also is an academic. He knows everything about magic. Not that good at magic himself. Not really relevant. He is a repository of knowledge on magic. And he is a friend of the character Argent Adept. And Argent Adept is this master of magic and of music. But Argent Adept doesn't really study the thing he does. He just like goes out there and does magic via music, and it's great. And he has all these magical effects. And Soothsayer Carmichael sits in the background and goes, oh my god, you idiot. What are you doing? You can't just do magic that way. You're breaking this other thing. You can't, ah! Ugh. He's so frustrated all the time. And I love Sarah Carmichael because he just wants everybody to do things the right way. Why won't people listen to him?
0: Good stuff. I love it. Okay. <laughs> with that, with that, we are, we are 15 minutes into this episode. I have overindulged in superhero talk uh, as I am wont to do. But, let's get to the game itself how do we get started
4: Great. Well, so, Sentinel Comics, the role-playing game, is a role-playing game set in the world of Sentinel Comics. It's a s- superhero comic book role-playing game. You're going to play as heroes. Uh, the GM will introduce villains and minions and lieutenants to the scene. Um, but really, the job of everybody in the game is to together collaboratively tell the story. Yeah, you guys are running heroes, and you're going to make heroic choices using your powers and your qualities and your abilities. And I, as the GM, am going to give you environments and scenes and villains to fight and minions to get in your way and challenges to overcome. Sure, great, wonderful, but everything is collaborative. Win, there's a lot of uh, mechanics about uh, failing forward or succeeding, but at a cost. And when those things happen, it's not just going to be me saying, all right, and here's the cost or here's the bad thing that happens. It's going to be open to the table. It's going to be like, okay, there is a twist. Do you have a twist that comes from your heroic principles? If not, we can pull one from the environment. But it's very collaborative. It's very communicative. And so everything that we're going to be doing is us working together to tell the story.
0: Well, that is a play style that will mesh very well with the One-Shot Network. So, yeah, let's dive in.
4: Great. Players will need a selection of dice in a variety of sizes. If you have the Sentinel Comics role-playing game dice set, you've got everything you need. But if you don't, uh, I would recommend having three dice of each of the sizes from D4 through D12. There are no other dice sizes. Why would you need anything bigger than a D12 ever? I just, who makes bigger than a D12? That's the biggest dice size, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I think you can special order it.
4: Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, like a D18. I've seen them in stores, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, there's multi-dice. the
4: hockey Ball. Right, right. I am under the impression that the four of you have already built your heroes, is that correct?
0: That is correct.
4: I have various ideas for a couple of different stories to fling you through, but I want to make sure the story makes the most sense with your characters and is something that you care about. So, I'd love to hear about your characters, and I'd also love to hear about how your characters met each other, know each other, what they do, what they interact with each other, because I know at least a couple of you built your heroes in tandem, but I believe all four of you have some history with each other so as to not spend half of this session meeting each other in a tavern. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> Who wants to go first? I'll take it. So I have made a character named uh, her uh, regular human identity is Gloria Duquesne. Uh, she goes by the hero name Solid Gold, and uh, she is a former villain. She used to be a cat burglar, uh, who was part of a team of cat burglars. She used to be known as Pyrite. She was born in San Alonso, went to the same college in Rook City that Ehrman went to, which is really important for her uh, her backstory. That's why she's a former villain. When Ehrman was unveiled as when her secret identity was revealed, excuse me, most of the world shamed her, and and you know treated her as a villain, not her sorority. They were exceptionally gleeful that someone that famous had come out of their sorority and rather quickly, a little gang of uh, thieves developed there with super uh, recruiting and heroes or villains coming in with powers. And she used to be one of them. It took a while with her serving or working with them as a cat burglar to realize that she wasn't happy, that, that being a villain wasn't really her lifestyle. And in a heroic moment, she ended up defending people that who had been being robbed from the rest of the villains in her squad, who now, of course, a few years later, absolutely hate her. But she decided to take on a heroic identity, and a heroic life, and has done so, changing her name to Solid Gold, moving out of the ruins of Brook City, and more or less having to strike out a new family life because, of course, most of her family was in San Alonso. If James, you're not speed, that that city is gone. So. Her uh, background is former villain, Power Source Cursed, because her mother was a famous disco singer who effectively made the Midas Curse agreement with some sort of interdimensional entity to create things out of gold whenever she wanted. The twist being that the things that she she created only lasted about 10 minutes before they crumbled away into dust. Solid Gold has that same power, but has decided to adapt to it and just learn to love it. She doesn't care that the gold that she creates doesn't last, it does what it needs to when it does. She can create gold over her own body, fire beams of light that electroplate the things that they hit with gold, and then fire those same beams of light from any gold she can see. So over the course of any battle, she'll coat the whole area in gold and then lasers start flying from every which way. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's cool. She, uh... Her whole build is that as the fight goes on, she gets increasingly unpredictable and dangerous, and she's just happily dancing her way through because all of her costume accoutrements are just stolen from her mom's old disco closets. (laughs) (laughs) So she is a disco-themed, laser-light superhero with a... Even though she only electroplates things, she has the name Solid Gold. That was given to her by another hero at some point, pointing out that while she can create gold that isn't solid and that doesn't last... Her heart sure is solid gold.
3: Aw. Mm-hmm.
4: Jeff, I got a few questions for you real quick. I might have missed it. What's her name? Her name. Her hero name is Solid Gold. Her former villain name is Pyrite. What's her name?
1: Gloria Duquesne.
4: Gloria Duquesne. Yes, I remember you saying that, and I didn't write it down. Okay. The other question, you told her your, her background, power, source, archetype. What was her personality? Alluring. Alluring. Makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And final question that I don't think you have an answer for, but I hope you do. You told us for her former villain name was Pyrite. She was part of the uh, a villainous gang of sorority sisters that were hype about Ehrman. Oh, I have answer for all of that. Yes. What's the name of her former villain squad?
1: The villain squad, because they were uh, groupies and devotees of the cat burglar villain Ehrman, they called themselves Ehrman's Vermin. The uh, day that she went out and was disillusioned, it was the first time she ever actually met Ehrman, who never really came through and visited. She knew she had groupies, but didn't really care. But she came around to recruit them on Oblivion uh, day, but more or less when Oblivion was attacking. And so her thought was, I'll get these these punk kids to come help me. We'll go loot while, while the whole city is busy fighting off everybody. They looted a mall, and the mall was attacked by Aeon men. Ehrman immediately left. She didn't even bother. She just took off out the ceiling, did not even check in with the other villain kids she was leading. Uh, the other villain kids kept looting. Solid Gold started throwing up walls and helping to defend the people. We even have villain names. The Uptown Girl is their leader. There's Flirt, that's uh, that's another one of their heavyweights. There's, what, what I call it, Pledge Week. Her only power is the ability to detect other superpowers. So her deal is that she she's the recruiter for <laughs> the, the the sorority. <laughs> and yes. then the, the, re- the person who ended up calling her... Uh, Calling her, telling her her heart is solid gold. After they showed up to help rescue all the people from the Aeon Men, is set back.
4: Oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I'll have y'all talk to each other about how you how you met and interacted. Once we know everybody's bios, sounds good. All right, good. who wants to go next?
2: Let's have John go. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go. So I have a character that is currently going by the name Savant as the hero name. Alias Alex Johnson, though that is not actually his birth given name, but that is no longer known to anyone after he purified a bloodstone into a philosopher's stone. Bad choice. (laughs) (laughs) It was not the best choice, but he was born with a natural ability to sense magic and perceive ley lines, and he was basically a magic prodigy. Very early on, showed amazing aptitude for it, and that keen mind also led him down being a scientist as well, as he went towards both sides of knowing creation, and uh, so now he is an alchemist that unfortunately has lost all of his former connections and everyone forgot who he was. Oof. He doesn't even know, but he uh I would say it's it's sad that he is one of the great-great-grandchildren of who became John Rhodes.
4: As I say, sounds familiar.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is a Let's see, an academic background, power source relic, his stone that he carries around, archetype sorcerer, and his personality is nurturing.
1: I was going to say, if you had gone around and asked everybody's favorite Sentinels character, John was all going to be lined up with Scholar anyway. Oh, obviously.
2: (laughs) I mean, literally right before we started recording, I finished listening to the Blood Magic episode.
4: Just normal, normal magic stuff in that episode. Nothing weird or strange about blood magic. Nothing yeah, weird. don't worry
2: about it. So that gives him a bit of a sort of a, a tinge to his magic that, say, the scholar didn't sure. have. Sure,
4: okay. Good to know. Does Savant have any sort of dark figures in his past, anyone that he's crossed paths with uh, to cross purposes over the course of his alchemical heroing
2: So he's definitely crossed paths with in the past and what really drove him towards the bloodstone thing was hermeticist and wanted to learn more and was sort of tempted to almost be a like protege Mm -hmm. of him before realizing, oh, this guy's real crazy. (laughs) So (laughs) instead he has scrounged up every piece of lore and alchemical information he could and that of course puts him at odds with all of the other people trying to scrounge up any magical lore that they can find.
4: A question that I didn't ask Jeff, so I do need to ask Jeff and John, and I believe I know the answer for both of these, but I want to be 100% certain. John, Savant's pronouns he, his, and Jeff Solid Gold's pronouns she, her? Yes. Thank you. Great. Yes. Okay, who's next?
3: Dave, take us away. So... In the Sentinel Comics universe, there is an ancient dragon named Zulong, who's one of the bigger villains of the universe, right? And he has this ritual, these rites, where he can bring people back from the dead, but they come back, you know, wrong, evil, however you want to put it. But he hasn't always been able to do this. Those rituals had to come from somewhere, and there was a certain amount of beta testing that happens in the ancient days of yore. So my character, named BC, was once part of an ancient order who was opposing Zulong, attacked Zulong, it did not go well for him, and he was put into one of these test rituals to see if they could bring him back from the dead. And the thing was, they thought that they had failed, and let's just move on, but the thing was, it totally worked, and BC was like, hey, I'm alive, and turns out he's now immortal. That's basically his only superpower, is that he's immortal, and he's hundreds to thousands of years old. It gets a bit fuzzy after certain points. But the thing was that despite his crusade, he was like, well, yes, I'm immortal, but if Zhu Long ever figures out I'm still alive, there are still terrible things he can do to me, you know, that would make my existence completely miserable. And so his background is retired because he spent at least centuries Hiding from the world so that Zulong would not come across him and figure out, you know, what's going on. And he was kind of hoping someday someone would defeat Zulong and take him out of the picture. But unfortunately, that has not happened and it's been a really long time. So, BC is recently decided to more directly oppose Zulong, although he still would really like to escape his notice that he's alive, but is now doing more hero-type things, pulling himself out of retirement. So his background is retired because, you know, he did spend a while just not doing anything in hiding. His power source is supernatural because everything came from that semi-botched ritual. His archetype is shadow because, you know, in the ancient days he was a mysterious assassin for good kind of guy or at least he thought he was and his personality is sarcastic because you know he's seen pretty much everything and you know you're not going to really impress him
4: okay awesome just to double check his name is BC as in the letter B the letter C correct all right all right does it stand for anything
3: it stands for a lot of things okay
4: great good <laughs> i don't want to know what it stands for i just want to know if it does stand for anything cuz if it stands for for nothing it'll fall for anything so
3: he he has an idiom that uh, probably will be discovered through play. Okay,
4: does he have Ooh. a uh, a name other than his hero name BC?
3: Well, he has a lot of names, but generally it. BC is going to be going to be it.
4: Got it. Uh, and his pronouns are, are he him. I he, believe. He, yep. Yep. Yeah. Great. James, I think you're left.
0: Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, I have a new book out. It's the Ultimate RPG Game Master's World Building Guide. It's a collection of prompts, exercises, and mini-games to help you create and expand settings for your own role-playing games. I wanted to make the process of building a world easier and more fun. And right now, it's available everywhere books are sold. You can pick up a copy by heading over to bit.ly ultimateworldbuilding ultimate heading to a major brick-and-mortar retailer, going to an online retailer, or hitting up your favorite local indie brick-and-mortar bookstore, including friendly local game stores. Just be sure to call ahead to smaller stores in case you need to special order. And if you already have yourself a copy of my book, you can still help me out. I'm trying to get 50 reviews within the first month of release, and we've only got a few weeks left. I'm almost there with 33 reviews on Amazon. Now, I don't love buying things from Amazon, but it is really important for a book's success for it to be well-reviewed on Amazon, and you don't need to buy from Amazon in order to leave a review. So, if you've enjoyed the book, please head over to Amazon and leave a review for me. My publisher checks those, and it really helps me sell them more books if I can get good reviews within the first month. Thanks, heroes. Now, before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Kazard, thank you so much. Sage, thank you. Terry, thank you very much. Rhea Strong, thank you. Chris Parasoti, thank you so much. John Cushman, thank you very much. Tieste Villet, thank you. Joshua Taylor Cahey, thank you very much. Joe, thank you. Terry Osborne, thank you so much. Zakaya Nakvi, thank you. Christina Kennedy, thank you so much. Emily Larsus, thank you. Abe Kenmore, thank you very much. Randall Nelson Peterman, thank you so much. Amber Sky Engelman, thank you. And Mark Shearer, thank you so much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We wouldn't be able to make shows like this without you. Before we get back to the show, I want to take one more moment and give a very special thank you and congratulations to the editor on this program and project manager over at One Shot Network, Tracy Barnett, because Tracy recently had a baby with their partner. Don't worry, Tracy edited a good chunk of this series in advance in anticipation of this happy day. I hope the whole family is happily home resting right now. But in case you are listening, Tracy, everyone here appreciates you and congratulations. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Yeah, uh, we're finally to the person who knows the least about the Sentinel Comics universe. And
4: I wanted to say, actually, about that, I am thrilled that that, that is the case and that you said that, because <laughs> I want to make it clear to anybody listening, these three people have just uh, displayed a, a remarkable amount of knowledge about the world of Sentinel Comics that is entirely unnecessary to the playing of this game. Now... We're gonna be able to tie things into the world of Sentinel Comics more because of that information, but you can play this game knowing nothing about Sentinel Comics, being like, Okay, we're gonna do some heroes. Like, if you don't understand the concept of like superheroes and comic books, that might be a barrier to entry on this game, but you don't need to understand who Legacy and Baron Blade and Setback and Zhu Long are. Like those names are unnecessary to the making of the characters, to the playing of the game. So James, thank you for being here to, it's to fill to me. that role.
0: I I am so glad that you said that, because we're about to find out how durable your universe is.
4: (laughs) You might be surprised.
0: Your universe was described to me as kind of bridging the gap between Silver Age and Bronze Age, because I had first suggested a... Ultra 90s hero, uh, and it was suggested that maybe I should back it off a little bit. So instead, I am going to be playing Zeus Lagosi, twelve-year-old boy who answered a Charles Atlas ad from a mystical comic book that promised the power of a legendary figure. Zeus, unable to choose which legendary figure he wanted, checked off and erased boxes multiple times before sending twenty-four ninety-five off to with a self-addressed envelope, and six to eight weeks later, he received a parcel that granted him both the powers of Dracula and Hercules, which is why he is now the superhero Dracules. He has a magical medallion that he must wear at all times, but at any time he can summon strength from the medallion to become Dracules, the ultimate superhero who, once again, has all the powers of Dracula and Hercules all in one spot.
1: Amazing. I love it. Does he also have all of the weaknesses of Dracula and Hercules?
0: Well, that's the thing. You know, Hercules isn't vulnerable to the sun, so he's <laughs> not vulnerable to the sun. There was also, as far as I could see, no weaknesses system for me to capitalize on on that <laughs> potential thing. So he just doesn't.
1: Oh, no, I was just curious. It's
0: just the best of all worlds. But if you are curious, the one thing I did think it would be great for him to have a rival. So his rival is Hercula, which is someone who has all the powers of Hercules and Dracula, which, you know, I feel like that'll be good headbutting there. He has the background of unremarkable. His power source is mystical. His archetype is physical powerhouse. And his personality is jovial.
4: Love it. Dracules. How do you spell Dracules?
0: D-R-A-C-U-L-E-S.
4: Dracules is a 12-year-old boy, you say. When he's... His, Zeus Lugosi, rather, was a 12-year-old boy. Is yes. his Dracules form a thing that he changes in and out of, or is he just always, always Dracules all the time?
0: He changes in and out of... It's just like Captain Marvel okay, or Shazam to to the young folks in the audience. Fantastic, Ooh, fantastic. Or before that cut off.
4: So when he is in Zeus Lugosi form, he looks like a 12-year-old boy. When he's in Dracules form, he is this towering pillar of manliness who wants to suck your blood.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay.
4: That's great. That's great. That's great. And his pronouns, he, him, were good there as well?
0: Pronouns, he, him. Yeah.
4: Perfect. Perfect. I just like to make sure. You guys are all over the place. So we've got <laughs> Dracules.
3: So we're all Somers mystical. World. We're, we're all in the magic world to some extent. Yeah, there's
1: a little magic there. I do yeah.
3: love that. <laughs>
1: Honestly, the presence of a of a goofy twelve year old just makes me think the whole thing is going to have a bit of a runaways vibe. Uh, that rules. Okay, so on to the next set of questions. How do you all know each other? You know, it's funny. John and I have been working on this for like a month, and there's no never been a point where we've had a conversation about how the two characters have met. We have <laughs> we have discussed that the two of them both have a power set that relates to gold, and that. The likely thing was that Savant had heard of solid gold and her weird powers and sought her out okay, right. to see what they were like.
4: Are the four of you a team? There's no right or wrong answer here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, Yeah. I love skipping that step.
4: Okay. All right. Okay, cool.
1: <laughs> that's great. What is the name of your team?
2: Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say Savant would have sought out probably all three of them for different mystical reasons. Sure. Yeah. Ooh.
4: Savant's like, all right. Dracules. <laughs> What's going on here?
1: If that is your real name, it's obviously not. <laughs> it is not.
0: <laughs>
4: so that's, that's the question. Do you have a team name? It's all right if you don't. Um, one might uh, evolve out of the process of playing this game.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, if it is John's character, like naming us, it has to be. Like way too overflowerly, flowery, way way too scholarly, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it is you drawing that team together, right? The Guild
1: of Arcane Rantings,
4: right the the, the Mystic <laughs> the Mystic Warriors of Legend, or something like that. And then everybody else is like, oh yeah, we're those guys, you know. There's just there's the there's the shorthand, and then the the no, the proper name is this.
1: That acronym better spell something cool.
0: The esoteric brotherhood of, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all right. Esoteric brotherhood does feel good. Yeah, and to you've me. got an O on the um, end
1: there, so okay. all we need is things that start with L and A, in our name could just be Ebola. That's perfect.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: But no, esoteric but I mean, I'm okay with it. Ultimately, as as a as a woman character, I don't know if I want to be necessarily a member of a brotherhood.
0: That's true. That's true. Yeah, and I'm now thinking through kind of all of like organization names are a little bit gendered in that respect.
3: If it's like an esoteric well, league. We can always be
0: the cabal cabal so it's not clear to me somebody did suggest on twitter recently that that might have like some anti-semitic undertones to it that word Mm -hmm. we can let's step back from that word because i'm not sure the only thing i know is that i don't know (laughs) enough to
3: be firm one
0: way or the other (laughs) a society society or a league like
2: society is good the mystical coterie <laughs> oh yes yeah.
1: that's it is that just like what you're wearing <laughs> also yes
4: i think this is great and i think that this should just continue the entire game you're a team of heroes Ooh. Ooh. you work together you fight crime If asked, if any one of you is asked by a reporter, what's the name of your team, you might give an answer than a different one. You're not fighting about it, but you are like all working together to find the right name. And sometimes in the midst of battle, you might find yourself being like, oh, but what about this? And it's like, oh, no. So for now, like, we'll just just let that float out there. And maybe by the end of this story, we'll have resolved it. Maybe not. Who can say?
1: But we are a team because Savant sought us all out and then... I don't know, right. presumably at this point where he had one or two of us all together, we were attacked and then boom, stick together, strength in numbers.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you all have different things you're interested in going after. So it, shouldn't surprise anyone when the four of you hear about uh, trouble in the San Lazarus Museum. Now, of course, as you know, the city of San Lazarus is the city that grew up out of the ashes of San Alonso. After the destruction of San Alonso, a new city was built on the ruins uh, around the remnants of Champion Studios, um, and that city was called San Lazarus. And that city has gotten a lot of really interesting advancements since it's a brand new city and built with this concept of hope in the face of the terrible destruction that just happened. It's kind of like it has as a city kind of a world's fair sort of feel to it and it also has some very cool like museums and statues and tributes to things that have happened. In one of those museums there is a museum there is a museum rather that is run by the organization Global which is a international consortium of heroes that it was established to deal with the sort of threats like Oblivion hopefully never happens again well let's not just sit around and be not prepared for that anyway point is there's this museum that has cool artifacts from a lot of different places in the world to show like how the importance of being aware that humanity is all over the planet and that there is less difference between people from different cultures and different experiences than there is than than we like to manufacture and in that museum there is this ancient chinese artifact that is often attributed to perhaps being somehow related to Zhulong, but it also is like rumored to have some sort of connection to blood magic. And in fact, not just to blood magic, but to the very concept of vampires. The Court of Blood is a famous collection of vampires and the Court of Blood lay claim to this item, even though it's presumably not from their culture. So this is all a thing that is like, this is one of the many artifacts that is held in here. And people have heard of this and people are aware of this as well as many other cool artifacts. However, that's the artifact that Ermine and Freight Train just broke into the Global Museum and stole. And that is the news that comes through the radio as you're all hanging out at your friendly local diner, eating whatever it is that you all prefer to eat for breakfast.
3: Christopher, can you make sure that you explain Freight Train and Ermine and...
4: Absolutely. I was actually gonna do a thing where I let the radio say, Oh, Fright Trainer Norman did this thing, and then the twelve year old could be like, Who are they? And then somebody else in the story might explain it, but I'll I'll happily
1: do it. You can do it uh, that way. We'll do it that way, just fine. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it that way.
0: <laughs> I want to get unreliable narrator information only.
3: Christopher just wants an excuse to use more train puns is the thing. <laughs> Fright,
4: fright train is that character yeah with that said is there anything you need from me are you ready to just hit the ground running
0: i mean let's let's hit the ground running on this i want to zoom in on this diner first things first that i have to know are we dining as our heroic forms or are we in civilian what civilian identities that we have That's
1: a good question what do y'all think well, I'm noting now that the commission to her have of my character does not have a mask, so I'm going to say no secret identity, and she has no problem being in her regular superhero outfit.
2: Yeah, uh, Savant also doesn't really have a secret identity, given that his actual identity was consumed. So most of the time, his superhero outfit is just a t-shirt and jeans that he goes into combat in. <laughs>
0: Then I, I, I think I will have myself be in my civilian identity. I think Zeus's Nona is is dropping him off with the group that Zeus has told his family is the Big Brothers Club. Mm-hmm nona is like standing there and talking in italian to me just you know i really don't trust this one like gesturing gesturing to is it savant you said savant yeah yeah gesturing to savant and zeus is like nona it's fine i've been (laughs) hanging out with them for a month go home look they ordered me pancakes Nona takes a big lick on her finger and and rubs my cheek. I, I swat it away and pile into the booth next to Savant and Nona rolls her eyes and walks away. And we can see like the curly locks that are on Zeus's head, like kind of fall dramatically over his eyes as he Looks around, big sparkling eyes, just super excited to be around his team of superhero companions.
3: So what's on the agenda today?
1: Wait, we've been hanging around with you for a month? Who who, who is this kid?
3: I mean, that, come on mystical thing. You
1: know. Oh, um, oh, you're okay. Right, Dracules. Oh, 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 yeah,
0: hold on, hold on, hold on. And I make eye contact with solid gold and the lighting mm-hmm. on me is all of a sudden very dramatic and it's that thing where it's <laughs> just his eyes are lit like Bella lugosi and you can tell.
1: <laughs>
3: oh. <laughs> hey, Draculies.
1: It's Well, a on the sacred...
2: docket for day, we've got chocolate
3: chip pancakes. There's no blood pancakes though. So you're going to have to order yourself, and B.C. just grabs the entire stack and begins to go to town. I have the
0: stomach of a warrior as well.
3: God. Uh, Dave, what does B.C. look like? B.C. is, is you know, a, a fairly old man in a big cloak. He is wearing not old like, still jeans and stuff that, like, he won't obviously, obviously stand out, but it, his sense of fashion is pretty much non-existent, and he's used to just hiding everywhere he goes, so it's kind of just being a large lump with a big beard. And, (laughs) you know, like the stack of pancakes just sort of goes into the the cloak somewhere. I swear (laughs) I've
4: seen that exact guy at Gen Con. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Big cloak, big beard, stack of pancakes just disappears into the cloak.
3: I'm going to be that guy in 20 years. I've been that guy.
4: (laughs) The waitress walks up to the table and looks down at the big guy with the beard and a cloak sitting next to the lady in all gold shiny disco clothes Mm -hmm. uh, sitting across from the somewhat magical looking t-shirt and jeans thousand yard stare guy next to the 12 year old kid and is like uh can i get y'all anything else
1: Uh, yeah, I'll take a grapefruit half two sliced bacon, please.
4: As you're ordering, there is a ding-ding at the door uh, as the door opens behind you. And the waitress turns and looks and is like, oh, are, are they with you? And you turn to see a group of individuals. You see uh, a large fellow who is clean shaven uh, his hair is neatly parted he wears a cape from his shoulders and he's wearing very like futuristic clothes but he's about equal in, in like size and stature to BC but very very like modern and futuristic looking you see a lady who is very lithe and dressed in all silver and is wearing like a cool silver visor and uh, is, is like she moves like like very swiftly and elegantly from position to position. And then you see a man with a furrowed brow who clutches a, a large book to his chest and is like muttering to himself, standing behind the other two. And then off to the side, you see a man with, a, with poofy sleeves and a foppish hat with a giant feather and a quill. And he's like writing on a parchment and they all look at you. They look at the waitress and they say, oh yes, these are our friends.
1: Yeah, can we pull two tables together? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: and Rachel's like, sure.
3: Is there some kind of uh, kind of convention in town? She
4: says. She drags over a table and pulls over some chairs.
3: Guys, I, I don't know if we should be having breakfast with what look like our arch nemesis. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is a totally normal, classy thing that people like us get to do all the time. Just enjoy the ride.
4: <laughs> As these people sit down at the chairs, they walk up very calmly, sit down at the chairs, the tables next to you, and uh, they turn and they say, well, goodness, it's good to finally meet you. We've heard so much about you. Mm.
0: And we've heard nothing about oh. you.
4: Well, that- Oh, snap. <laughs> Some of them nod, but the one with the hat with the feather and the quill looks into Zeus Lugosi's eyes and is like, well, we will just have to fix that, won't we? For I am Fable, the writer of all manner of myth, and I write your myth into existence and just as quickly out of existence again. The lady who seems to be dressed all in silver glares at solid gold and says, I am liquid steel, and your powers have no sway over my... Liquid steel powers.
1: I'm still working on that. (laughs) We can workshop if you want. Oh, wait, is that threatening? I'm sorry. (laughs) The
4: tall man with the cape and the futuristic clothing eyes BC and says, you probably know my name.
3: Yeah, yeah. E.D. That's right.
4: (laughs) Correct. The assistant director. I have many names. All of them much better than anything that starts with letters B or C.
3: What? Or art director. (laughs) Also good. What if I told you my name was Brian Cool?
4: (laughs) Well, my name is Adam Double Cool. Damn it. He's good.
3: (laughs) These guys are really good.
4: And then finally, you would expect that the last one with the furrowed brow in the book would have something to say to Zavant, but no, he just sits there muttering, clutching his book. Every so often he pulls the back the book, looks at it, looks at it like he's almost going to open it, and then shakes his head no and goes back to leaning. And finally, after a bit of that, AD turns over, looks at him, and looks at you and says, ah, this is, this is, don't worry too much about him. He's fine.
1: Hey, that's an unkind nickname. Did you pick that yourself? I would, I,
0: okay.
4: It's what he said his name is, and like... We're working on it with him, but...
0: All right, because I won't tolerate bullying.
4: Yeah, no,
1: it's you know, it's a whole thing. That makes liquid steel sound pretty good. I, got, <laughs> I know you were worried about it, but honestly, at the moment, you're you're second from the bottom. That's good.
4: With that, they order a round of, variety of various breakfast foods. The, the waitress pours them all cups of coffee. Most of them drink coffee, and they kind of just sit watching you, acting like this is a very normal thing to be happening.
1: So... Uh...
2: So, are you fans of ours, or is this, did you need lessons? Is that it?
4: Fable speaks up. Oh, no, we just thought it would be polite to introduce ourselves before we, you know, later dealt with you as we were instructed to do. We just didn't want to do so out of the blue. That wouldn't be kind.
1: Oh, no, I do appreciate Ooh, Yeah, yeah. Especially because we hadn't even had breakfast yet. This is This is great, but... Look, Most I, important meal of the day. Yeah, I, I want to, I'm going to go ahead and pop the bubble here. How come you're all like, B-grade us? What's what's the deal? This is this is new to me.
4: It's interesting that you might phrase it this way. Fable starts and he uh, waves his hand and he says, well, now, I'm pretty sure if you look at yourselves and you look at us, you might note that we are A-grade
1: you. Yeah, you know, you can be A, and we'll be, but we'll, as long as you're group two and we're group A, then that's fine.
0: One of you chose the name <laughs> Are we not having the same Look, conversation? To be fair,
3: like I'm B and he's A, like literally. So uh, I see their point to an extent. I'm not I'm not endorsing everything, but just saying that Okay, okay, but like maybe
0: we're the shadow the hedgehog to, to your knuckles, the echidna, where we are maybe a copy, but we're clearly more popular yeah. and better. I mean, we're remind- not gonna
3: understand any reference you say, right? I mean, remind me, what
1: medal in the Olympics or what level in the Olympics gets the steel medal? It's it's not first, right? It's it, it's not first.
4: Steel is stronger than silver, gold, or bronze.
2: Yeah, but it's a worse superconductor. I do have a question, though. Is that steel like the metal, or steel like taking things, or is it a both of oh. them, like a play on words? Oh, thing? if it's steel Are like you that taking clever? things, that's good. That's good stuff.
1: It's still like the metal, but I do take things. I mean, it, I'm going to be honest. I'm I'm pretty sure that I don't even really need to deal with you. you you've stolen your name from a RZA album, and he's going to show up and be really mad. He's busy. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's one group you don't fuck with.
4: So this whole time seems to be getting like more and more overwhelmed by the cross chatter and all the conversations and uh, finally he leans back opens his book looks into the book and like as he's looking into the book his his eyes seem to glow with an infernal orange and all the lights in the diner shut off and the diner is plunged into darkness this episode of one shot uses music from the following artists Cakewalk by Avocado Junkie. Black Crown by Andrew Stanton. Bus Won't Stop by Famous Cats. I've Seen Stranger Things by Alternate Endings. Life Worth Living by Moments. And In the Lift by Fabio Poyen. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online anywhere at the Other Tracy.
0: Well, heroes, that's it for Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more Sentinel Comics role playing. In the meantime, be sure to check out some of the other amazing gaming shows here on the OneShot Network. Like Design Doc. Join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role playing game. Design Doc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. And normally we ask you to do activities that don't cost money. Eh, But things made me angry this week, so we're going to change things up a little bit. Heroes, I'd like you to, if you can, support the organization Red Canary Song. They are a grassroots collective of Asian and migrant sex workers organizing transitionally. They center that work around base building with migrant workers through a labor rights framework and mutual aid perspective. And they believe that full decriminalization is necessary for labor organizing and anti-sex trafficking. I think overall, and especially in this country, sex workers are made to be scapegoats. Outsiders imagine crimes and solutions to them, and sex workers pay the price for it. That doesn't just happen on a legal stage, but within commerce itself. Sex workers are constantly being censored and pushed off social media sites, and having platforms where they can be in control of their own work and lives taken away from them. It's outrageous and unacceptable. And I'd really appreciate it if folks like you could support sex workers and organizations like Red Canary Song that are pushing to make the lives of sex workers better. Please donate if you can, and if you can't, please spread their message. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show.
1: Design Docs started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process, One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.